It's a great day. It's a day of the Lord. And um, as always, he's faithful to open up his word to us. And so this morning, let's just go before him. How about that? Father, we, we thank you for your faithfulness in sharing the depths of your heart with us through your word. We thank you for your spirit who brings us understanding. And Father, this morning, we just ask that, um, well, we thank you for the opportunity, Father, to open up our spirits and receive maybe a new way that you want to touch us, Father, in, in regards to this topic this morning. But we just thank you for the work you're continuing to do within each of us to prepare us to um, just to advance in new ways. And so I, I thank you for this opportunity this morning, and we, we ask that your hand would be on all the saints um, across this nation and around the world as they open up your word and uh, glean something new from it this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So um, the scripture that God um, brought to my notice, my attention, that got me on this topic, I'm not even using this morning. Because it's just a one-liner, and actually it, it's mentioned several times in several different books where it's, I think it's mostly Paul that says, I, Paul, write to you uh, an apostle by the will of God. And when I was reading it, I went, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. God, that was part of his will that Paul became that apostle. And so that just kind of extrapolated from there, and I just started looking at his will. And really, if anyone um, has applied the understanding of the will of God, it's saints, right? I mean, this, this is one of the foundational understandings of our walk, where we determine that we're going to lay down our inclinations, we're going to lay down our desires of whatever brings us pleasure, and we're going to take up the purpose of the Father. And we're determined to partner with him in that and, and to bring delight to him and to ourselves in the process of that. But in this hour where God has us really digging down deeper within ourselves to be able to present ourselves more effectively for the work that lays before us, I'd kinda, I just wanted to revisit this concept um, that we've committed ourselves to because perhaps there is something that the Spirit wants to touch within each of us to spur us on or to enliven us in some new measure of vitality. Okay? So, please. <laughs> yes, yes, I'll take that. Um, you know, I was, as I was looking at this definition, it struck me, because you'll see it kind of goes on there a little bit, it struck me that the meanings in each root were kind of like building upon themselves, kind of like adding a layer after layer. And it's almost, it reminded me of the progression that we found ourselves stepping into in order to embrace the will of the Father initially when we came into this walk. Now, just for the record, this word will can apply to us. It can apply to those who've rejected their ordained identity. It can, of course, apply to God. It can even apply to the enemy because we all have this capacity of a will. But for our purposes this morning, we're going to be looking at the will in the context of our Heavenly Father. Because, frankly, His is the only one that really matters anyway. <laughs> Amen. So, let's just really quick look at this. 
will is the Greek word thelema, and it means a determination, a choice, specifically purpose or decree. It's an inclination, a desire, or pleasure. And the root of it, thela, means to intend. And as we look at this in the context of God, we see that he has something specific, something ordained, ordained from the foundation of the earth that he wants accomplished. So his will is a specifically ordained intent. Okay? Another aspect of that, it means to love. His will is something that his passions are solely directed towards and insistent upon. So from that, we can also see where our passions, where our love is going to have to be honed and perfected in the same way as we continue to be developed spiritually as we grow in grace, because we want our passions, of course, to match up with his. <coughs> Excuse me. And then thirdly, it means to take delight in. And so God's will is something that we, he and we gain great pleasure and delight from. It can also mean to choose or prefer, to take for oneself, to give priority to. And then there's another root. There's actually another one in between, but they all kind of interlock and mean the same thing. And it's the word arrow, and it means to raise up, to elevate, to lift up, to take upon oneself and carry what has been raised up, to bear, to raise, as in the voice, to keep in suspense, talking about the mind, to sail away, to weigh anchor, and it can also indicate uh, taking away from another what is his or what is committed to him to take by force and take and apply to any use. And I'm sure you can see already how this is fitting in, just referring to God in this way. So if we incorporate this last root, you can see the progression of how this functions, how this has functioned uh, within and through each of us. You've got the intent of our Father that we devote our first passion, our first love to, and that we gain delight in. It's something that we willingly carry within us until it's, it's fully accomplished. We don't, we don't grow tired of it. We don't grow impatient with the process. We shouldn't. You know, and you, know, you can see where we have matured from that. In the beginning, we may have, but I mean, you can see how we have grown over over the process of this to where we recognize the value of it. Uh, we want to see that process fulfilled. We keep the specific thing he wants to, to accomplish lifted up in prayer. It's still a point of intercession until we see it fully functional, whether it's in us or in something, another place or person. Two, we lift up our voice in agreement with every element that the Father's insisting upon accomplishing. And, and then we, in the process of that, we prophetically declare what he's revealing about that thing he's wanting to do, which really in reality, if you think about it, it makes our voices an extension of his delight throughout the realm, which I thought that's kind of cool. Every time we're speaking that out, it's voicing his delight and the enemy has to listen to it. That's even neater. Uh, three, we surrender our thinking to the fulfillment of his burden so that Every other way of thinking, every other need is suspended in that process. You know, we, we refuse entry of other thoughts and needs as we lift what he's passionate about up in intercession. And I don't know about you, but I know for me sometimes that's a point of warfare in itself. Just keeping your mind focused and in check and not going off on its own tangents, you know. 
And then four, we offer up any inhibition, any hindrances, any distractions that are would try to weigh us down, would try to keep us from moving in the progression of God's directive in order to complete the focus of his heart and keep that at the forefront, keep it the main thing. Finally, his will re when his will requires warfare in the spirit, we don't just go, oh, okay, well, all right. No, we stir ourselves up, and sometimes we have to work at that to engage in that point of warfare, but we stir ourselves up to do battle in order to take what rightful, rightfully belongs to our God and apply it to his purpose, to the thing he wants to do, knowing that that may cost us our time, it may cost us our comfort, it may cost us attentiveness, or anything else that is dispensable in the eternal picture. Yeah. But do you see how all of this fits so neatly into Thelema? So while all of this is necessary to really effectively function in kingdom business, some of these have had to be honed in us through, through time. And um, some of them, they're still being honed, you know. I think back when we first began this walk, you know, we committed ourselves to his will and obedience because why? We knew this was truth. We knew that really, this is what we've been looking for, right? Uh, we probably could have worded it different ways for all of us, but it came back to, this is what I have been longing for. I have to go with this because I, I see God in this and I see that this is, this is what he wants. Yep. And um, we, we um, but in walking this path of his will, a portion of us had to be moved out of the way to make room for what he wanted to focus on, you know. So we may not have always been delighted at what was required of us. In fact, I can remember sometimes when I was kind of, you know, under my breath in order to, but we knew that in order to stay true to what he wants, we need to submit. But at some point, and here's where I think we can all really relate to, at some point, delight came, delight in him overcame the delight we derive from our own will, right? As we surrendered more and more of ourselves until then that became the necessity. You know, it, it, it became even the point, dare I say, that we anticipate and look forward to because we know it's actually working and refining us in a new way that's necessary for what lies ahead. So I think frankly, as long as we have breath on this earth, we're always going to be have to fight for and choose that honing process within us because the stakes continue to increase as the kingdom expands by virtue by virtue of the enemy losing real estate you know so i did think it was really interesting though as i was reading through this how these different layers really seem to indicate a progression that that we've lived and grown in so why are we even talking about something that we've been living you know, I know there's not a one of us in, in this room that doesn't have a desire to do the will of the Father. That's what we've committed our lives to. But I do think a look at the will of God in light of where we stand today, in light of, of how we've grown and what is what lies before us, might be a profitable reminder to help spur us on towards greater works. So I think it also dovetails very nicely with the principle of elakatos, elakistos, I can't say that word. It's not, it's, there's that I, I, elakatos, I think it's, that Pastor Ron has recently been talking about. 
and also Mark's teaching on delight. You judge for yourselves, though, but I think you're going to see how that kind of works into this, too. I just know there's there's a reason why God is having us become so personally transparent in this time frame that we've entered into. And he's he's really, you know, we're always going through the measure of this. But in this particular, as we've stepped into this new phase, if you want to call it, turn the page, however you want to refer to it, there's there's a new point of refinement that he's doing. So let's... With all that, let's look at the first usage of this in a verse that every single one of you are going to be very familiar with since you were kids, probably. And that's how the kingdom of God and his will mesh together. And so we're going to be pulling our scripture, looking at Matthew 6.10, where it says, Thy kingdom come, thy will, thy thelema, thelema, be done in earth as it is in heaven. And I'm going to be able to talk here in just a minute. Okay, so if, if you recall back in Scripture, one of the main things that Jesus focused on and taught on and preached on and, and discussed and everything else while he was on earth was the kingdom of God. Okay, um, I've heard plenty of sermons, as I sure, I'm sure you have as well, plenty of teachings and even comments on the kingdom, of what constitutes kingdom work, and therefore what constitutes the will of God. But the average believer, I think, has confused the will of God with the will of humanity. Um, according to this verse, the will of God fuels the identity of wherever God's feet, or we could say wherever his presence is established and operational. So notice it doesn't say wherever there's been a visitation of God. It doesn't say whenever, wherever a group of sincere people have met to minister to the needs of other people. Wherever the Father's authority is established and operational, where his desires, his purpose, the fulfillment of what he wants to accomplish in accordance with the identity ordained for that place, then you're going, you're going to see his, um, his kingdom begin to function on, on earth as it was in heaven. And you know, God delights in seeing this set in motion. Because the light of truth is always going to move aside darkness and enable everything that God intended since its creation to function in vitality there. So that's the principle of, of heaven being operational on earth. You know, it's not so much that we will one day be interacting with the angels, although as sons, we enjoy that capacity now. There's a lot of people that are still waiting for that to happen. That's going to be in the by and by, in the sweet by and by. It's not so much that everyone's going to be singing holy, holy, holy all day, although the intent of restoration is um, front and center now. It, but it's more that his will, the things that he holds valuable, the things he's taken delight in since he created the earth and its inhabitants will be accomplished. You know, they will finally be functioning in the way that he desired before he even began creating them. And this is not exclusive to the earth itself. That same principle desires to be fulfilled in the identity of God's people as well. And this is not only what we've experienced. You know, we're watching this right now, real time, take place in Brazil. You know, with the new churches that are being established to function in, in the efficacy of heaven. It's, it's what we believe for in Eastern Europe. As the French-speaking sons, well, I guess they're really in Western Europe. It's, well, we believe it 
let me say it, I'm, I'm getting myself mixed up. It's what we're believing for in Eastern Europe for the, for the sons in Western Europe to push into. Let me say it that way, okay? To break through into new territory apostolically. So um, another scripture that addresses God's will in the kingdom is found in Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Now, you know, we can embrace the eternal purpose of God. We can position ourselves through Adonai to talk about and teach the building points of obedience of his structural plan. But if we are not drawing our satisfaction from the current focus of our Father's heart, if his focus is not consuming our focus, then we're not going to be, we're not going to be able to bring into existence existence the things that he's wanting to establish in this new day because we're going to be too busy trying to establish things that are temporal you know one of the things god showed me in first saturday prayer was all of the saints were gathered before the throne of god and gathered there as well was the heavenly host and the great cloud of witnesses and they were all there to observe and add their agreement as the saints knelt before the father and we were being commissioned for a mission of great breakthrough that was on the horizon. Now, God never revealed to me what that, what was coming, what that point of breakthrough was, but I knew it was a new way to operate in and with him and that it, it was going to require every bit of us in order to step into it. So we have to continue, as Pastor Ron likes to say, to stay frosty. You know, it, it's critical that we continue embracing the new truths that Father is revealing and sharing with us. We can't just listen to the sermon and let it go in one ear and go, oh, that's great, and then just move on. It, it's got to make a change in us. Because if these truths are not becoming a part of us, which in many cases is requiring us to press in even deeper with our minds, with our thinking, we're going to find ourselves using the things that we've learned over the years that were effective in the past, trying to apply them to the now. And instead of applying the new way that God wants to move, you know, that's really how tradition is born. We were made to be on the cutting edge of God's vision. But that requires examining where we take our delight and our pleasure from and what may possibly have hijacked our, our passions. And then, of course, surrendering those to be realigned if necessary. Um... So many Christians, you know, I know you hear this, speak of God's will. But what elements does God highlight that's distinguished between his will and the will of ourselves and others? You know, on one of many occasions, Jesus was teaching his disciples. And as he was doing so, his, his mom and his brothers were outside the door. And it says where they stood waiting to talk with him. I thought this was kind of an interesting scenario because of the word there for stood is histemi. And we know that the essence of histemi is basically what God wants to accomplish in a person or place. It's what he wants to do. I am convinced that whatever Jesus' earthly family wanted to discuss with him was not, was not inappropriate by any means. You know, However, what they wanted to accomplish in that moment and what the father had directed his son to accomplish were obviously two different things. You know, it's not a bad thing, not the best. It's not the thing that's 
precisely honed in on what's on his heart. So this is where we see Jesus stretch his hand out towards his disciples and say this following in, in uh, Matthew twelve fifty, For whosoever will do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and my sister and my mother. You know, I know there's been several emphasis about this in Scripture, about um, they were trying to pull him deliberately pull him off course or they just wanted they just wanted his attention for something some earthly matter i don't know what they wanted jesus for but i don't really think this was as much a slam against his family because remember they were all disciples of jesus as well i think it was more of an opportunity to delineate between what really constitutes family for sons of god the will of God fashions a familial bond in the spirit that goes beyond flesh and blood. True. And I think every one of us in here can agree with that. Um, it's not that we love our earthly families less. But when you're, when you're united in the internal in intent of God himself, nothing else can really even compare or relate to that. True. You know, it's a spiritual union that rises above a natural union. It's an eternal desire that rises above humanity's desires. And Jesus very clearly enunciates that when he says, whoever is going to carry God's burden over and above the burden of humanity, the, the burden that humanity is focusing on, that's who my family is. And it, brings, it brought to uh, my mind the scripture where John says in 1 John 3.16, hereby perceive we the love we really know and understand how to breathe hard after God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for those who are the family of God, for our brethren, who are devoted in faith at the right hand of God. Amen. Yeah, that is an amen. Now, this of course does not discount familial, um, familial and job responsibilities on earth, but we know how easily those can subtly slide into place beside or even sometimes above our first love and usurp priority. Yeah. No, 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 that's okay. Hello? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and this is especially true in the moments. We're, we're going to Buffalo next week and going to see family, but uh, it's going to hone me to be in that moment you're talking about. And you talk about being with the family and stuff and, uh, we have family visiting right now, and as I'm talking to them and talking to Lisa and different people in my family, what you're saying is so true. It's so fresh in us right now. I feel like it's it's being brought up and bubbled up and refreshed every second. It's just it's a very lively, refreshing, electric thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's mm -hmm. it's not what timely, timely but. I mean, I, I literally feel like I'm sucking it in from somewhere right at that second, and it's boom, searing in me, you know. And Absolutely. And I'm processing it and becoming that knowledge, and, and like we're able to do that so freshly and so in the moment that it's pushing me up as well. Yeah. I just love that. And can you see, can you even see the picture of where we've come? from the beginning to now when it used to be after the fact we'd figure out oh yeah god was trying to do something yeah. and i totally missed it to okay i i'm i'm thinking i know he's doing something here till he wants us like you said in the moment to be so mm, fine-tuned with him that huh quickened that's a yeah and 
it also reminds me of when um, Pastor, you know, gave that teaching on the razor, the razor, the that razor's edge. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I just, yeah, I know what I you're talking about. What is the word? It's razor, but it's that's not how to pronounce. Hey, go ahead, we got it. Anyway, it, I mean. And that cutting edge, that cutting precise. Edge, that the prince is the word in the the natural, but it's um, what he's called us to be is really, and as you've said, frosty. But it's that cutting. That's that living on that, being able to cut through that bone and marrow. That really mm -hmm. is that yeah. double edged sword. Yeah, and that's what we've been called to do. Yeah, yep, yep. So yeah, it's always going to be. Um, guarding our passions, protecting them because their first and foremost devotion is to the Father and to his will. So Matthew eighteen fourteen says, even so it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. And um, I, I put other references here where this, basically it's another indication of that same scripture. But I was thinking about this scripture, and I mean, even recently, I have, I have seen the misunderstanding of God's will applied from this verse to our present societal circumstances. You know, people are using this scripture, well, they use it for all number of things, but they're using it to combat child trafficking with. Um, and the resulting consequences for those who are guilty of that, it is a vile, vile crime, you know. But let me just say, yes, Jesus illustrated this truth by drawing in a little child. And certainly, does he care about children? Absolutely. If for no other reason, the most important reason is because they have the potential to grow up to be sons. So of course he cares about children. He cares about innocence. But this goes so much deeper than a natural state of affairs. You know, the scriptures are breathed by the breath of God. My sister and I have had this conversation because of her Bible study and how it's taught and, and taken, you know, um, that she attends. But the scriptures are breathed by the breath of God. They're inspired by the Spirit of God. If they were meant for us to take them solely in a literal sense, without ever going deeper into to spiritual consideration, I'm sure we'd all be walking around with missing right eyes, trying to write left-handed, and gimping on left feet. You know, if your eye offends you, pluck it out type thing. I mean, really, how do you, how do you address these things if you're going to take it literally? You just pick and choose, well, this is literal, and this is, now this will, we'll look at it spiritual here. That, that never made sense to me, how you just juggle that around, and how do you know the difference? You know, control, that's true. Little ones here is referencing the spiritual individual, and I know you know this, who's in the process of becoming a son and eventually an heir and a joint heir. It's not the intent of the father that any of these immature sons in training should re be reduced to a state of uselessness. You know, father's will is that they become useful, powerful, and effective for his kingdom. And I think it's safe to assume with this negative emphasis here that it brings great displeasure, displeasure to our father when he sees this occurring. It's the very thing you're saying is we're opening up those opportunities for them like God's opening it up for us. Right. And we're walking into those same opportunities as we're opening up the opportunities for them. It's like, we're like, look at us, we're doing it and we want you to do it. Right. Oh, exactly. <laughs>
And you speak of displeasure, and uh, certainly pleasure for God is when he sees things working as they're supposed to. Right. So displeasure would be his view of things that are corrupt and have not been working and that have been overcome by the enemy's plans. And the way people will play into that is, you know, it, it, um, it, it makes for his eye to uh, look for that one who will stand there in the gap. So when you realize that someone has caused one of these that was hungry for him to perish, to be destroyed, I think displeasure is not even a strong enough word. <laughs> you know? Uh, anyway. We, we see that reference in Mark 9.42 as well when Jesus says something similar about whoever... Um, leads astray a little one that believes in him, it would be better, it would be expedient to present that individual with a, a millstone necklace as they're thrown into the sea. I mean, and that's probably a kind thing to do for what is really being destroyed there. This, this entire process of being developed as a son brings immense delight to our Father in Heaven. And you know, I'm not sure that we always remember that aspect in regards to ourselves. You know, um, Father takes great pleasure in witnessing us develop continually in grace. But He also inclines Himself toward us as we're doing that, providing whatever we need to carry us, to help us carry that burden into completion. And we have seen that over and over and over until it's so much second nature for us. We just assume everybody gets it, you know, until you're talking to someone and you realize, whoa, whoa, okay, slow down. <laughs> we are not on the same page. But being passionate about the growth of sons, of his sons, is a key element of God's will and a critical point in our relationship with him. So we, we need to really look at our, our growing and being developed in him and even those times of refinement as times that are bringing him great delight. Um, I love this next one because it's like the poster child verse for sons concerning God's will. John 1, 12 through 13, for as many as received, as seized or, or laid hold of him, um, to them gave he power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of man, but of God. You know, the enemy subterfuge that has bamboozled, bamboozled so much of the church by this passage must really grieve the Lord's heart. Sonship according to a great portion of the church, had been relegated to simply accepting a present with no investment, no commitment, and no change needed to you. Sonship becomes an automatic position you step into when you receive Jesus. But this word for received is much more forceful than simply accepting a gift. It's a grabbing hold of. It's a seizing it's a concept of surrendering all that we are in order to take hold of all that Jesus is until we become the identity of who he is. It's, it's grabbing hold of Jesus as the living word. If you read the scripture before it, it describes that. 
It's grabbing hold of him as the light of truth within us and not allowing anyone to wrench that determination to become like him from our grasp. We're going for it. I mean, that's why we're here. It's the realization that the purpose and intent of his will takes precedence over everything else in our life and that whatever business God is transacting at his throne is now going to be the business we will take responsibility for, especially in regards to being stretched in obedience in whatever way is needed. And that happens. It harkens back. It may happen too. It harkens back to the elastic, elastic, that word, elastistos, dead gum, that's a hard word to say, teaching of Pastor Ron because we bend to his will. That is the birthright that's reserved for those who will reside in the will of God. And the thing that's happening, at least for me, <clears throat> is that whole thought process of the will, obedience, all of those things is transforming even more so into other aspects of life, mm -hmm. of my life. So <clears throat> I don't look at things that work the same way that I used to, and like I used to, and then like I used to, but you look at things that are happening and you see how God is, is working and how you're a part of that if you're in his, you know, his will. You're, you're partnering with him in the will part of some place that you think, how does he fit in here? Oh, well, he does. So That's very cool, because really, his will is like corrective glasses for our vision. You know, so I was thinking, you know, it's like our identity finds its source in the will of God. Sure. In in his original intent. So I'm no longer Vicki. I no longer get to default to my feelings, to my emotions, to my filter that I view things through, to my safeguards that may provide me some sort of personal security. Um, I am Vicki who is going towards or growing towards becoming Christ-like. This is what God desires for all of his people. And you know, I think a lot of the church throws that term around with good intentions, Christ-like, but never fully realizing what the cost of that really is and what it really is going to require. So when, when God declared at creation, let there be light, don't you think he already had sons in mind? Don't you think he already had you and me in mind as reflecting the light of his truth at that point? Absolutely, I do. God envisioned and chose this identity for us before we were ever even formed in our mother's womb. That's, to me, mind-boggling, you know? And oddly, the fact that so many think that this birthright is a done deal when you accept Jesus as your Savior is, as I was reading, it's countered in this very verse. It states that you cannot become a son from or out of blood. Now, at first I thought about your, our genetic engineering, you know, your, your parents, your heritage. But then I realized not even Jesus' blood can make us sons. You know, certainly his shed blood paved the way for us to access and become sons. But sonship itself for us is the same as it was for him. It can only be found in committing to and carrying out the will of God. I mean, he had to choose that same path. Doing the will of the Father is what made him the Christ the anointed son. That's true. So what about the areas that we've already submitted to being stretched in? What about those things that have become more proficient in us? 
because we've done them so long that God has really, you know, honed them in us and they become a little easier. The things we were at one, one point, uh, yes, I'll be obedient, but <laughs> Kim's grinning because we, we can relate. Um, we need to stay fresh and frosty in those areas as well because there is nothing worse than routine to suck the life out of something, you know? And there's, there's no area more important to protect from that than the deepening of our identity as we incorporate new points of expansion that God is revealing about his purpose and his will within us. The scenario of this next verse is um, centered around that amazing encounter that Jesus had with the Samaritan woman at the well. Y'all remember that? Jesus had returned to his disciples after that discussion about proskuneo with her. And if you remember, he had sown a life-changing truth within her. And what was the concern of the disciples? I actually never really noticed this too much before. I never really thought about it. But they were all focused in on the natural. You know, I imagine for Jesus, this encounter back with them, this little whatever, was a little like feasting at this astounding banquet table in the heavens, only to be, only to have somebody tugging on your pants leg back on earth, offering you this wilted hors d'oeuvre, you know? <laughs> oh, here, come, come and have fellowship with us. Here's, here's your wilted lettuce canopy. Um, the disciples immediately began interrogating Jesus. And I can only begin to imagine what they were saying. Why were you talking to that Samaritan woman? Jews aren't supposed to be around Samaritans. You know, they're unclean. What in the world would you possibly have to say that would take so much time, Master? I mean, you've got much more important things to do with the Jewish people. By the way, you've totally missed lunch. I mean, really. Let's, let's read it. John 4, 31 through 34. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed. That's the word for interrogated. Prayed him saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have, he, now he's trying to give them some deeper thing here. I have meat to eat that you know not of. And heretofore said the disciples one to another, has somebody brought him something to eat that we weren't aware of? You know, what, did, we, did we miss that? And Jesus said to them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Go ahead, Jay. I was just thinking, it's the same scenario that played out between Mary and Martha. You know, you had... Martha, who was, you know, she knew Jesus was coming. She knew the disciples were there. And she's running around getting preparation done. And she comes and she's like, why aren't you making her get up and help me? You yeah. know, it's like, why are you letting her just sit there? And, and, and it's, it really is. It's like, wait a second. What is the important part? The important part is God's will and what he wants to accomplish right now. The rest of this will take care of itself. You know, if nobody had anything Seems I've read that somewhere. Right, but seek first yeah. the kingdom and his righteousness. Yes, it keeps coming. It just you just realize this was not the first time they had. It was lesson. it was still training ground for them. Yes, yeah, yeah. But we've been there, yeah. Yeah. and sometimes we still are. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know. The emphasis of the disciples was on the natural circumstances, on the state of Jesus' physical man, in this case, whether he'd had any food to eat. But Jesus made it abundantly clear that his concern was with his spiritual condition. All Jesus cared about was consuming his Father's will. His sustenance was the will of the Father. 
The desire of God's heart are what provided the fuel for him to live and move and have his being. His entire reason for coming to earth was to prefer what the father wanted, to fulfill the intent of his father and to please his father in the process. And I was thinking with all of the craziness happening in our world today, it's really imperative that our essential nourishment comes from consuming the will of our Father and not from the things that we see, the things we hear, the things we sense or feel around us. Our mandate is really no different than Jesus. It's true. To carry the mission that God gives us to complete His business and in other words, to bring delight to Him through our obedience. Yep. Right? Yes and amen. Sorry, I just keep remembering... So, you know, when Jesus, they're all in the boat and that big wind comes up and he's falling asleep in the back and they're like, don't you care that we're about to drown? And he's just like, wait, excuse me? <laughs> he's like, my time has not yet come. You know, when God ordains it, then it'll be the end. But this is nothing. You know, you're losing your mind over, if I'm not concerned about it, then you've got to know that God has, that we're going to get through this. And God's got something else going on. And this is just to make sure that we're all focused on everything but his will. Standing back looking at the big picture, it's easy for us to think, you've got God in the boat with you. What are you worried about? Right. You really? I mean, God in human form is with you. So, but you know what? When something extremely fearful comes up, I mean, fear is a powerful thing, as we saw in the middle of covid you know, and it's still being used. I, I, the pathetic commercials I see come across TV, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, at this point, really? You are hitting scratching the bottom of the barrel to try to introduce the fear, you know, with shingles and with COVID. Still one, of, I saw one yesterday, still one of the, the leading causes of death, you know, it's not like number five. After heart attacks and all these things that the COVID shot caused, by the way, um, all these other things, it's just like, so just make sure you go, if it's right for you, go, because that's a little disclaimer, because they know it's killing people. It's just, it's just amazing the fear that the enemy will try to weave into things. But, right, but that's part of the freedom we're stepping into as well. Because the more we are refined into his will, the freer we are from fear. That's true. Because that's what, what casts out fear, perfect love, agape. Because part of his will is that passion, that breathing heart after God, about what he's breathing heart after. And so, gosh, you can see how it just all works together. And I'm so grateful that he's, again, called us to this walk and is refining us in this way. I just know, and that fear plays such... An intricate, it wants to play such an intricate part in all facets of life. Yeah. Not just, you know, getting sick. I mean, the way you parent, the way you interact with people, how you try and, you know, safeguard yourself, you know, in, in different situations. And, you know, God's really been working with me like, okay, so you say you trust me, you say you're passionate about me, but you're allowing this fear here to dictate your response. Right, right. Good word, good word. All right, let's, let's look at a, hit a couple more scriptures real quick. It's, we've got a few minutes left. 
Romans 12, 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect thelema of God. I know we've heard this taught on before. Pastor Ron has done an excellent job a couple of times, um, but it bears repeating in regards to knowing God's will. If you want to be ready to move into the next thing God wants to do, then we simply need to be what God needs us to be in that moment and make sure that our mind, along with anything else in our life, aligns with that. As, as we are prone to always say, our mind is always at enmity with our spirit, so that your mind is part of what has to get in alignment here. And that's how you know whether you're presented with what you're presented with is the genuine desire of God or whether it's desire that you of you or someone else. But the vantage point to be able to see that and to know that comes from being and functioning in who we're called to be. Here's another one along those lines. Paul, in his instruction to the saints at Ephesus, warned of joining in with those who are replicating ignorance in regards to the things of God. There's a lot of that going around. Um, this type of fellowship yields only barrenness. When, when you join forces in any way with this type of thing, nothing prop, profitable for the kingdom of God can come from it. Ephesians 5, 15-17. See then that you walk circumspectly, that your steps are accurate, they're exact. Not as fools, not as those who are unskilled that have no insight, but as those who are wise, who are skilled and have keen insight, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be you not unwise, don't act rashly, quit being stupid, but understanding, understand, that, that really is a definition, that was not my, I know you think that was my, uh, trans, my, my translation, but no. But understanding, putting the perception with the thing perceived, what the will of the Lord is. Hallelujah. Understanding what the will of the Lord is. You know, we know a little something about evil days, don't we? Yep. We're walking in them. So there's no greater need for comprehending what God's will is than now. Now's a good time to know God's will. You know, <laughs> Understanding what brings delight to our Father is what will keep us from acting stupid. You know, Preferring what He wants to do above all else is what will fuel our wisdom as we shine as light, as the light, into the dark places. Asking for clarification. Asking for a friend. Um, sorry. So when you say stupid, are we talking stupid in the natural or stupid in the spiritual? Yep. Thank you. <laughs> okay, I'm totally clarified now. Yes, both. Yep, the spiritual always impacts the natural. So I, I don't think you can be stupid in the, in the spiritual without it kind of leaking out into the natural. Sorry. Okay. Let's, let's end with this last verse in Colossians 1.9. For, well, for, for this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray, pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. You know, the church at Colossae functioned in great vitality and effectiveness for the kingdom. <coughs> they, were, they were just a remarkable group of saints. And as well, they set a great example of, of faithfulness to God's purpose, of agape for all of the saints, 
and of the hope that they held that ended up producing great fruit for the kingdom. And as a result of that, Paul and Tim Timothy never stopped praying that these Colossi saints would continue to move forward in the will of God as they recognized and learned to become everything that delighted the Father. And they were praying that they would always ask of God based on what his intent and passion was, not on what theirs was. And they asked that both of these would be done from a position of God's choosing as they turned darkness to light and as they flowed in Pneumatico's understanding. This last prayer should really be our cry of intercession on behalf of the saints throughout the world as well. This would be a great prayer to just go back in the scripture and pray over the saints around the world. Knowing the will of God is a tremendous treasure that most of the current church has no grid to grasp. But we do. And throughout this journey, we have surrendered to the change needed within us in order to move into greater dimensions of his will. And God willing, we'll continue to do that at whatever cost is required so that we can expand in even greater ways and in greater works. But we need, we're going to have to keep examining the, this area of our lives so that nothing is allowed to subtly creep in and dull or siphon off our delight in doing the things that delight our Heavenly Father. You know, we're really blessed to be entrusted with raising up and nurturing others who are learning the great value of God's will. But they need to be at the forefront of our intercession so that they will continue to expand as well. Amen? Amen. So, any other comments before we... Um, that word examining that you just said, I think that's key to the whole thing because um, the world shuns that word. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's... It's a point of weakness. Yeah, and it's, it's not meekness right. uh, that they understand. And we understand it, and we understand the power of it and the freedom of it, right. and, and the empowering authority that comes from it that we don't even have to worry about. And they right. think it's a thing you have to totally worry about. They're totally obsessed with that. They have no bearing otherwise, and that's what they're afraid to let go of. Right. And so we come in in this way that looks like a butterfly flittering around like a fool, and they don't understand it, but yet they're totally attracted to it, yeah. and they're totally mesmerized, and that's what's going to pick you them. God's going to use that curiosity that they're going to have, because that's all they're going to have. They're just going to have that. And we're just got to maintain who we are in God to be that flitting about butterfly that's going to pull them into the light to let them see the glory of God and know that that exists in a real world separate from this mess that they're interpreting. Yeah. You're such an evangelist. <laughs> 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 Anybody else got a comment before we? Be the butterfly. Be the butterfly. <laughs> be, oh, B-E-E, -E, the butterfly. Ah, oh, it's bad. Jay, no? Matt? No, nobody can talk that. <laughs> well, then how about we pray? Yay! All right. Well, Father, we thank you so much for the truth of your word. We thank you for your spirit who touches the places within us that need to apply your truth we thank you for the ongoing expansion of our identity that you ordained from before the foundation of the earth. We thank you for the reminder to continually examine ourselves 
And we thank you for the, the blessing of being able to make ourselves transparent before you because we don't want to hold anything back from the touch of your hand. May your passion always overwhelm us and may everything that we say and do bring great delight to you as our Father. Amen.